What's up, everybody? You're listening to World Yo Oyster. This is Paula Sanders, and I'm here with my co-host, Monica Lorenzo. What's up, everybody? Ooh, I feel like your vibe is very much so like uh, someone that's about to drink tea and crumpets or something. Uh, we're in a very elevated state of mind. Oh, I love that. I love it too. Okay, good. So it sounds <laughs> like you're feeling amazing. So why don't we just get into the pearl and your oyster this week? Because I will. she's on top of the world. I'm feeling on top of the world. Pearls of our oysters this week. You want to hear the pearl of my oyster? Is that the pearl in your oyster? Yeah, let's make it that. Oh <laughs> my god. Okay. Dun 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 dun. dun. I am on top of the world. We are elevating all aspects of life. So this last week, I got a new car. Ooh, yeah, I was in it. I love it. <laughs> it is so fun. And, and you know what I loved about this process too is that I never really cared about cars. I've never cared. And so when I would go lease a new car, it was like a bonding moment with my dad and I would let him take the reins. But this time, I really felt like I needed to come to the table. So I was like, let me tell, I don't like the way this conversation is going. <laughs> I'm going to figure out how to do this on my left teach me. So I figured it all out. I know all the ins and outs and all the psychotic things that you need to know when you're leasing or buying a car. Cause let me tell you, girl, it is a freaking process. I don't even want to know. It is so annoying. I don't understand. <laughs> it's the most archaic process I've ever witnessed and experienced in my life. But now I got that shit. Amazing. So I got a new car and all other things are elevating in my apartment. If it's not beautiful, it's out down to the forks and knives down to new, some new furniture, old things. Like I was so I would hold on to things because I felt nostalgic about them. And I was like, oh, so-and-so gave it to me and I can't get, no, out, bye. Out, out, out with the things and the people that no longer serve you. Correct. I'm actually (laughs) putting that into play and it feels good. Yes, that is how I live my life, honey. I cannot have anything. I learned from the best. (laughs) Yeah, I can't have anything hanging on or around that is not serving me anymore. Uh, It is so freeing. It feels great. It feels so good. It feels light. I'm telling you, and you feel like you literally have now like wind speed behind you that yes. just propel even faster into the future. Amen, sis. Thanks. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that for you. Well, congratulations on getting rid of all your shit. It feels so damn good. <laughs> and congrats on the new car. Thank you. It's beautiful, by the way. It's we took really it on a nice cute. long trip to the Hamptons last week. We it did. Good. It was so fun. And I good. even christened it by, I don't even eat fast food, but I ate fast food with your husband in the car. <laughs> I hope that's the way that you christened your car with my husband. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I didn't even think about that sound. <laughs> well, that sounded pretty bad. We got some Wendy's. That's where we got some fries and Frosties. <laughs> hey, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> but um, sh- um, anyway. What's the pearl in your oyster? Oh, the pearl of my oyster is a good one because, Come you on. know, I just live to serve you. Oh, do you? I do. <laughs> um, no, you know, it's interesting, right? I I love Mo, obviously, and I, I want- Mo to have all the best things in life always. So I feel that I used to, I feel like I used to do this to you more. I used to pimp you out a little bit more, but since we've been doing this podcast, I kind of stopped because I was like, I need all of her we're attention. Ty- yeah, we're yeah. not pimp. There's no pimping that had yeah, to be Yeah, and I was like, and I, I need to pimp Mo to me right now because I need her. But right. the truth is, is that I feel that now Mo needs to go spread her wings and fly. And the first opportunity, and it's funny because I wasn't searching for an opportunity to pimp Mo out, but I was speaking to somebody that I actually really like, and we never ever speak about our personal lives being this person. And there's a little bit of dead airspace. And for some reason, I just decided to say, so any fun plans for the weekend? <laughs> Which like, 
which is lame. Fine. I know. Lame it's actually hilarious. Like it was just so lame for me to say. And he just looked at me and he said, Paula, I need a girlfriend. And well, he he's doesn't not have, British. He doesn't have that accent. He's like, he's like, Paula, I don't even know how to do the accent. I need Paula, a girlfriend. I need a girlfriend. I need a girlfriend. Exactly. Paula, I need a girlfriend. And I was like, oh, now do ya? <laughs> and, um, you know, I was, you know, then I just asked a couple of questions and I was like, what about this girl? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was, he was into it. So then I quickly text Mo and I'm like, can I, do you mind if I pimp you out? Can I give you the number? I was like, pimp away, sis. She was like, pimp away. And I was like, okay, let's go. And then I left work that day because it was very shortly after, like maybe 30 minutes after. And for this odd reason, I felt like so uplifted. Like I just had felt like that for some reason, like all of the stars were aligned. And I'm like, why did I? I'm like, these two actually are, could be a perfect match. I could have just made my first real love match. And now if anyone knows me and is single, anyone that's single that knows me, I'm always trying to meddle. So With I'm, the best of intentions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, no. And I don't ask how the date goes either. Like no, I don't, you I like, don't want to know. I just- You connect and then you drop out. No, yeah, I don't want to know. I'm just like trying to put together people that I like, that's all. Um, and then like, you know, if it goes to shit, I really want to know the story. <laughs> and I want to know why. <laughs> um, but but while it's going well or, or like, or not so well, I don't want to know. Um, but anyway, so- I feel really good about my future in matchmaking. And like- You did a, you did a good one. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. We haven't had our date yet, but the conversation is perfect. I've never seen her smile like this since like, it's really it's weird. It's really weird. Like you're excited and like, it's all of the things. So let's put the good juju out there in the universe for Mo and hope that maybe- I've made my first love match. And on that note, everybody, this week is a great episode. You're going to meet the person that did our photo oh, shoot. <laughs> he is such an incredible photographer, but more importantly, he's an incredible person mm-hmm. uh, with a crazy journey. Like he's uh, was born in the Dominican Republic, moved here, he's an immigrant, was a mechanic, like all of the things. And now I he's mean, living his- every, every turn he was surprising me with it, the part of his history. Yeah. He needs a deep memoir. Yeah, and the, the person inside is just truly, uh, he's so incredible. So please listen, stay tuned, and we're excited. Ciao. Bye. Bye. Harold Baez is a Dominican fashion photographer and visual artist who not only captures the stunning visuals of models around the world, but is also the man behind the lens of our iconic podcast promo shoot. Yes, he is. Oh, that's right, yeah. He's based in New York City. Harold is a self-taught photographer known for his bold use of color, high contrast style, and unique composition. Today, we're going to dive into his journey as a photographer, filmmaker, and art director and learn about his inspirations, challenges, and future plans. Harold, welcome to World's Your Oyster. Welcome. Thank you, You're Good welcome. Good to be here. I feel like this has been months and months in the making. I know. Yeah, we talked I'm, about this the second that we, we were behind your camera. That's true. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, or a lifetime. This is true. This is true. This is my first I'm, interview ever, I, I think. Uh, yeah, so. Well, welcome to Behind Our Lens. Mm-hmm. How does it feel? I mean, kind of scary because usually I'm the one on the other side telling people what to do. So now I'm like, your subject. You yeah, know? now you see why our butts were I clenched know, while we or, were behind your lens. <laughs> Mine was <laughs> clenched so bad. And I think my oh neck my was six sizes like wide because I was so tight. But you guys were amazing. Like you you know, the, the, the trick is if you take direction well. Like, that's what I tell everybody. Like, just listen exactly to what I say. 
Don't try to micromanage it. And I'm over here like, okay, guys, you know, like, what camera am I looking at? <laughs> You're you know? like, yeah, what questions are you asking? We're like, listen, we're just going to let it flow. Yeah. Trust the process, Harold. Okay, I'm trusting. <laughs> <laughs> well, we first want to thank you so much for putting together our photo shoot because we love the photos and we really feel like that was the best example of what we were trying to put forward into the universe at that time. And you really made us feel so comfortable and like supermodels. And that's really what we needed then. Oh, that makes me feel good. And actually I should be thanking you because I always feel it's a privilege to take someone's picture. So mm. thank you for trusting me. to do that. Thank you. Thank well, you. we, we love you and we're excited to be here today. So too. let's, I, I do want to, just tell a little bit about your journey before photography, because I, if I remember correctly, when we were talking that day and you know, you and I are friends, we've spent time together before, but I had no idea mm-hmm. that your journey actually starts in the uh, world of finance. Yep. Actually before that, um, I actually was, well, I am a certified FAA airframe and power plant mechanic. I went to Oh my gosh! Aviation high school in Queens, and I was this little <gasps> overachiever. Oh my gosh! My uncle went to aviation. I went. I, I graduated in '95. Oh no, to, no, '99, <laughs> and uh, I started in '95. But um, from there, I went to college and I studied aeronautical and mechanical engineering. Wow! And then after like eight years of doing it, and then 9/11 happened, I was like, I don't want to be in the industry anymore. I just got kind of turned off. Mm. So I pivoted in college, and I got a degree in MIS and IT from. Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, and that's where my um, corporate finance IT career started. In uh, once I graduated, what is the what do those acronyms stand for? So uh, <laughs> MIS and IT is Management Information Systems and Information Technology. So it's like you know understanding computer systems and helping people run their business. And now, how did you even get into that? Because you grew up where? I grew up in Queens. In Queens. Did yeah. you have anybody in your life that was doing that as a profession? No. Or? Yeah. Uh, right. Immigrant to the U.S., my whole family. So, like, I was one of the first people in my extended family to actually graduate from college. So, mm-hmm. no one was doing MIS and IT. But I was always trying to better myself. And I knew that, like, you know, growing up in the 90s in Queens and, like, seeing what my friends are doing, I was like, I need to get out of New York City. I need to, like... If I want to do big things, I, I can't do it being here. I want to be dwarfed mm-hmm. by the people around me with their mentality. So I was like, I need to go out and get a great college degree. And I was lucky. I had an amazing counselor in high school who, like, saw a spark in me, I guess. Like, she was like, you got a twinkle in your eye. We got we to gotta get you out of oh. New York City. And um, she helped me apply for all the scholarships and opportunities. And I was really good academically, but my parents couldn't afford a four-year, you know, degree education right. at the time. So... It was through scholarships and grants and stuff that I was able to go to RPI. And yeah, I I didn't have anyone. I just was like, if I can see it and if people believe in me, then I can do it. So I, that was always been my motto. Like, you know, if they can do it, why can't I? And you were born in the U.S. or you were born in Dominican Republic? No, I was born in Dominican Republic. And I came here when I was around four. And I learned English watching... He-Man and She-Ra on Saturday morning <laughs> and watching G.I. Joe and Mr. Rogers, like, you know. I, yeah. And then I went straight into kindergarten after only being here for like a year. So after, after you changed that degree and you graduated from college, where did you go from there? Yeah, so I I was a mechanic and then I switched in college to, you know, MIS and IT and I got a degree in management information systems. I... 
everyone around me was struggling to find a job. And I was like- In college? In like college. your friends yeah, or your college friends, classmates? My college classmates, my mm. fraternity brothers. Everyone's like, I can't score a job. And they're like scrambling. You in a fraternity too? Yeah, I was a Pi Kappa Alpha. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Greek life. Yeah, Love Greek that. Life. <laughs> me a lot. Um, but they were all struggling and trying to find um, a job after college. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to fall into that boat. Again, the overachiever, I applied like half a semester early for everything. Good. And I got my job offer letter like before Christmas break, the year that I graduated. So I had another six months of already having a job under my belt. My first job was at the Travelers Insurance Companies in Hartford, Connecticut. And I was a product analyst there, um, helping them on the national auto team. So coming up with car insurance products, like when you go online and you want to get yeah. a, you know, coverage for your vehicle and you put in your VIN number and you mm-hmm. get, I used to design the computer systems that came up with like your rate. That's crazy. That so crazy. Yeah. I and then to traveler's think- insurance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're yes. great. yeah. That's crazy to think that that's where this starts. And now you're in this like completely creative. Yeah. And, um, it's kind of weird. Like I feel like my whole life I've been planting little seeds without knowing which plants are going to flower and bloom. Mm. I was like, okay, I'm going to get some skills there. I'm going to get some skills there. But I was actually big in like the yearbook community of my high school. I was the one always taking pictures of all my friends with like the disposable cameras. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I'll go to the, you know, to like the pharmacy, CBS, yeah. and I'll, I'll print doubles and yeah. I'll give it yes. to all my friends. Yep. Yeah. And I was the one always like, oh, you know, take a picture. So I was always the one like every few weeks I would come in with like a huge stack of pictures and I would just find people. And I loved seeing people put their pictures up like in their lockers or like in their books, like of the groups of friends. That and you took. That I took. So That's that the, cool. so the seed was there. The seed it was, was planted there. from I, was, I always loved taking teen- pictures, yeah, as a as like a teenager. And then when I was about four or five years into my career, I had then moved from Hartford to New York and I went on vacation to Greece um with my partner at the time. And we wanted to take great pictures on vacation. And I thought to myself, I'm like, our phones are not gonna cut it. I'll just buy a camera. And I'll teach myself. So I taught my, I bought my first Canon Rebel um, back in like 2009, I think, or 2008. And what's and a Canon Rebel? It's like the starter camera kit for for Canon as a brand, right? So yep. and Rebel is like the kit where it's like it's it has everything you need to do to start, right? So mm-hmm. it was like the original like influencer kit that you would get like at you know like Best Buy with like a, a lens, a camera, like a memory card. I had a friend who was over, and I used to live at right around the corner here, he said he needed pictures to submit to a casting for something who was like a model. And um, being the overachiever, I was like, well, I can do it. Yeah. Like, let me take your pictures. So I took his pictures. It was my first time. And I took his pictures and he submitted them, you know, to his agent and put them in his book. And his agent was like, who took these pictures? These are like great pictures. And he's like, oh, my friend Harold. So people were like starting to notice because then my friends would get their other model friends to shoot. So then like, me shooting on nights and weekends, you know, like the phone plan, because I worked full time. So I could only shoot like after six when I got yep. home from work mm-hmm. or on the weekend to build my Your side hustle. It was my side hustle, but I wasn't getting paid for it then. I was just doing it because I loved it. And mm-hmm. I would talk you were myself. building your craft. Yeah, I was building my craft, building my little outlet, my creative outlet, because designing computer systems was... I was great at it, but it wasn't creative. Right. And I'm a creative person. So. Were you hanging out with creative people at that time of your life? Or were you hanging out with more, like, people that were in your industry? 
Ironically enough, I rarely hung out with people from work. Right. That makes sense. I didn't want it to be that I brought um, work home or on my free time. I always kind of was like, they tried to get close. I, I just ironically didn't have anything in common with people from work besides like the occasional like quick happy hour thing. And I'm like, I'm out by seven or, you know, or. <laughs> it's like me. I was like, I, 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 I've got a hard stop at 645. Yeah. That's usually what. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just, I had creative people in my life, uh, hairdressers, makeup artists, other photographers, models, designers. So, and I'm here like, oh, the dork who's like an IT professional who designs computer programs. Yeah. And I did have creative people. And I never felt that like I was a creative because I, I fell into this trap of like, okay, you got your degree and you got to use it. So mm. you're an IT professional and you, you're on this journey and you're making great money and you, you've done well for yourself. It's like, why change it if it's not broken? You know, if it ain't mm-hmm. broke, don't fix it. So the photography was my little outlet and I mm. kind of did that on the side. And that's where I was creative and I was learning on my own, making mistakes. And I mean, the first pictures that I first used to take, they weren't anything great. Like I look at them now and I was like, oh my God. Right, you know, of course. But how do you begin to learn, right? right. So so you're, you're working full time, obviously, as you mm-hmm. said, you're shooting on the weekends. You are completely self-taught. So mm-hmm. where are you learning as someone that's self-taught? Are you reading books? Are you- oh, Being the nerd, like, okay, well just freaking Google it or look it okay. up or look at the instruction manual. Isn't like, it crazy what you can learn from every, using Google? I mean, everything. I, <laughs> YouTube. I, YouTube. YouTube college, YouTube as people great. call yeah. it now. Um, if I wanted to- practice I would the agencies would pay you a hundred bucks to test their models and then you take a few pictures of the models that the agents could use in the models books to get them jobs and then while they're there you could test out lighting test out different things so I would test for like pennies on you know I I didn't need the money I was working in a corporate job Mm -hmm. so I did it because I was used it as an opportunity to it's like a scholarship to college they gave you basically like and you know they'll pay you something but it wasn't I didn't pay the rent with that. Mm-hmm. Right. So when do we make the switch? When are we like, okay, we're... It wasn't till March of 2021. Oh, wow. Super that recent. That I did a full, like, pivot and, like, really gave it, you know, a chance. You're living your passion and your dream, but you're also doing your day job. And I think that sometimes when we're doing what we love and it's for a very minimal amount of time of the day, it makes those eight hours or 12 hours that you need to be at your real job, like, almost unbearable. You're absolutely right. I mean, but the way you get past that and the the way I was able to do that is I just put a baseline and I level set and I said to myself, I got to get through those eight hours so I can do what I love to do. So that was my, I just blocked it out and I would compartmentalize my feelings, my emotions and my mind to focus on like the corporate world. And, you know, people in the corporate world had no idea that I was a photographer and people in the creative world that I was had no idea that I was like this technical work. So when the models rush up to my apartment, they're like, wow, this is like, you know, all the other photographers I know, they live in like a shoebox in Williamsburg. (laughs) And you like have a decent apartment. And then I'm like, yeah, well, the the photography, you know, and I would let them know. And they're like, oh my God, Uh you do all of that and this. So, I mean, it was a struggle and it was, when you really want something, you're going to figure it out. You're going to do whatever it takes. And that doesn't matter if it's long hours or tedious work. Like those 60, 70 hours that I worked a week to do my corporate job was nothing to the 12 or 16 hours that I spent in a week doing photography. Like I felt like it was balanced for me because 
Mm. I just loved creating and coming up and just seeing my work progress and my peers being like, wow, your work has really gotten good. You know, I, I, I can't believe you don't have an agent. I'm like, what? An agent? I'm like, no, never. You know, because <laughs> I put myself in a bubble of like, I can't get out of this. I can't escape the corporate world because I'm, I'm, it's a ball and chain and I rely on it. Oh, so I never wow. thought that I could. I, I, thought, I thought I was just lucky that I could take pictures. Right. I never thought that I could make it my full-time career. I was like, I'm not going to make the same amount of money that I made in the corporate world doing photography. Like, That's, that's the hard part, right? That, to, that's... to believe in yourself was the hard part. <laughs> exactly. And then... To not know what's coming next. Like, exactly. for me, that's the, that's the, like, hook, line, and sinker all the time. And I always admire people that can live in that way of a, a creative lifestyle and not really know what's coming next and to just be okay with that because they know and they trust that something is coming next. Right. And mm -hmm. it's very difficult to go from a steady paycheck to, I, I mean, I've never done it, but I, I can't even conceive it. Like I, 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 I can't even conceive it. A steady paycheck and a routine and certainty and being able to do everything you needed to do was great. Mm. But the mental freedom that I have now, cause I, I think I've, I wasn't like di diagnosed professionally, but I was depressed. Mm, like yeah. I got to the point where like, I was just not a happy person. Like I was overweight. I was not taking care of myself. I was like a shell of who I was. And it all was like, I was resenting the person that I was and the people around me because I knew that like, I was doing 80% of something that I hated. Yep. Wow. And 20% of what I loved. And, and then I asked myself, I'm like, why am I such a cunt? <laughs> and it's not because they were doing anything to me. It's just that I wasn't happy because I couldn't go out on a Friday night till four in the morning to let myself go and dance and have fun with my friends. I had to be up at Saturday morning to walk the dog before the models started showing up. Right. Right. You know, and I, I, I had to be on point and I had a, I shot three models on a Saturday. So I didn't, I didn't have a day off. I couldn't go out on a Tuesday night to the box and watch someone shoot ping pongs out their hoo-ha. Mm -hmm. Like, I literally had to be <laughs> But at you've work, been, I could tell. I, yeah. <laughs> but I, I had to be at work, you know, at yeah. 6 or 7 in the morning. I had to be up, walk the dog. And, you were tired of sacrificing. Yes. And you know? not living, you know. Not, not you felt like you weren't living to the fullest. Yeah. I was living for, like, everyone else around me, but I wasn't living for myself. Can you walk us through your process and, and how you do um, collaborate? So for me, like the most important thing in my process is connecting with the subject, making them feel comfortable and understanding like what we're trying to achieve here. Like mm -hmm. I hate showing up and just like, let's just shoot. And I try not to put myself in a box of like only using one lighting or one technique or one certain way to capture a picture. Sometimes I'll use like a camera that I have that's 10 or 15 years old, or sometimes I use a film camera or sometimes I use like my newest one. But I, 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 when I was young, when I was young in my career, I always thought, oh, I need a better camera because it's going to help me take a better picture. And someone quickly taught me, it's like, it's not the camera. It's, it's your you. skill. Mm -hmm. So I've always like, I come into, you know, a situation. I'm like, I could use whatever, but I know I'm going to take a great picture. And, and when they say it's you and when you know that it's you, is it like a combination of the, the lighting, the like, what it's, is that? What does that, what does you mean? Yeah. It, it's like when you go through a magazine or you go through someone's Instagram and let's say a photographer that you follow that before you see that person's name on the bottom of the post, you know, who you took know it. who took it. It's a, it's an aesthetic. It's like the way the, mo the, the feeling that the model is evoking, the way you make men or women look, how you think about color. You know, some people just only shoot in black and white or some people don't really 
have their voice because they don't know what their voice is. But it took me a very long time to come up with an aesthetic that I felt comfortable with. Mm -hmm. You know, I was always inspired by amazing photographers from the 70s and the 80s. And then I watched photographers in the early 2000s copy those photographers from the 70s and the 80s, right? So then mm -hmm. I'm, I'm looking at the work. I'm like, huh, a copy of a copy. Okay. <laughs> and it's okay, you know, people get inspired by, but it's when you find your voice, you know, it doesn't matter. You could be inspired by a pose or something, but like, Put your own kind of like twist and flair on it to make it yours so that confidence in you it's like i could do so many different things but i know at the end that that picture looks like one of mine you yeah know what I mean? and like and when i put it on my instagram and i look at my grid i'm like yeah that works yeah you know mm -hmm. and how would you describe your style of photography i think it's a combination of avant-garde tongue-in-cheek there's always like a sexual kind of nod either to with men or women but it's not vulgar. I mean, I find that it's crazy how people go crazy over nudity, over like a buttock or like a nipple. But, you know, you can't always shoot all of that and put it on social media. But I always look at my pictures. I'm like, if I took my picture and my grandmother looked at it, would she think it's vulgar or not? You know, like right. if I do a nude. And like That's a if good she assessment. doesn't, if she would think it's a beautiful picture besides someone being nude or whatever, then I took a great picture. But I, I, I love you know, taking people somewhere where they haven't been before, you know, with light and composition. Mm. And I'll shoot anywhere. I mean, I've shot on, on beaches all around the world and factories and outside of a cemetery, like in front of my build. Like I used to live down here and I used to work in a lot of these buildings. So I'd come out and I'd shoot. I'm like, oh, my God, I hope no one from work is watching me because <laughs> I'm shooting a model in front of like yeah. a corporate building. So you went from shooting models in your apartment mm -hmm. and then you choose to go full time in photography. So how did you really start to pull in these bigger jobs? I think being in New York City, there's a huge network of people. Yep. I mean, there are so many people here that you could be out, you know, at someone's party, you know, like at a restaurant and there's like an editor of a magazine there or there's you know, um, a hairdresser or someone. And creative people can find other creative people and they mm -hmm. can see, like, talent when it's there. I started to get opportunities because people saw something in my work that I didn't see, that I was like, I'm, I'm not there yet. And people were like, you're definitely there. Like, let's So let's they pushed do, you. They'll push you. And what was that first, what was that first job? Like, one of the first jobs that I did that I really felt that, like, I, I was doing things. It was actually for one of my good friends, Brian Atwood. Um, and it was during the pandemic. And I've, I'd shot a lot of the jobs before, but we were um, doing a job to um, shoot his campaign with a collaboration that he did with an Italian uh, shoe brand called Scaroso. And mm. it was during the pandemic. And we shot like 30 models over three days in his apartment. I love this shoot. And it was like a labor of love, like where we were shooting in his apartment. It was like COVID time. So we're all like testing and right. we're all masking, but we're just creating something just because we just love creating and the, the advertising images were amazing that was amazing my, my first time. i was like if this was in the studio it would have been amazing but the fact that we had to work so much harder to produce it outside of normal times it was like wow like the fact that we did that uh you know over the course of three days during this crazy time like you it it, it meant more to me you know? yeah yeah would you say that that's one of your favorite shoots to date like one of the ones you're most proud of i think so because we shot all right, so I shoot beautiful people all the time. <laughs> like people that I don't have to do anything. Yes, thank you. And, and, like, they show up and, like, I don't have to do anything, right? But when I shoot real people, oh, it, it just makes me feel so good because it's, like, 
these people are beautiful, but they don't come in feeling beautiful. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I can capture someone and like pull it out and pull it out and they're like, that's the best I've ever looked. Aww. And it was like 30 people and they were all like either um, breast cancer survivors or, or, or legacy who've had people pass away. And, and it was amazing to have that human connection with the people that I was shooting that it was one of my favorites because I shot real people. And now you probably need to constantly um, create content for what you're doing. So you do have to create content because now this stupid algorithm is if you don't create content to keep people engaged, you'll lose followers. Right. Mm -hmm. So for so long, I'm like, I'm going through the validity of how many people follow me and like my work that I was like, that correlates to how successful I am. And And then I was like, wait a minute, these likes don't correspond to making money or being successful. It just corresponds to fueling your ego, Correct. right? So I immediately stopped doing that when someone told me, it's like, is your paycheck based on how many likes you have on a picture? I'm like, no. Do you post all the work that you actually ta- do? You know, all the pictures that you take that you make a living on, do you actually post on Instagram? I'm like, no, I only post the things that people want to see. I'm like, so how is that a measure of how successful you are? I'm like, and they're like, it's not. And I was like, mind blown. I was like, okay. So you do have to create content, but you don't always have to post it. So I create content because I'm working on like a coffee table book. I'm working on my fine arts and my, and, and my prints that I'm not just going to put on Instagram. I work at private clients who want pictures. I have brands that need work that necessarily don't correlate with my Instagram, but it's paid work. Mm, right. um, but you do have to create content because... The act of creating keeps you, keeps your mind going. Fresh, yeah. Got know, it. And it keeps you practicing and doing new things. Um, now I'm doing AI photography. So it's like, there's never... What there's, is AI yeah, photography? That. Okay, so... <laughs> I just spoke to someone I think about this too. I'm interested to hear so your... AI, I mean, okay, so remember when, or maybe you guys don't remember, but like when when cell phones came about. So I was, I in the, when I was in high school, like I had a pager. <laughs> Me too. I had a pager, and when you got 143, 143. Yeah, or when mm-hmm. you got 303, it was mom. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And then cell phones came around, right? Mm-hmm. And now we're we're so accessible, right? But in the beginning, people were apprehensive to, to that technology, right? It's the same thing now with AI photography. Right. So there's people are like, oh my God, AI is coming, and I don't know, it, I, I don't trust it. It's, it's going to replace people. I'm like, it's only going to replace you if you feel like you can't adapt. Oh. Right. Right. Or understand how to use it. So AI photography is a way that you can that you can create images through telling uh, computer or, or artificial intelligence what you want to create. Right. So it is a way to create something down to the finite specifics of like what camera or what nozzle to use um, <laughs> or how the light is and, 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 and knowing the references. So good AI photography that you like, there's something you see that it's not that great. It's the faces are not, you know, a little fuzzy or the composition is weird or the girl has six fingers. So the, the the AI goes out and looks at references of the things that you mentioned and it takes an inference of like, okay, if he's saying, you know, midday lighting overhead, it's going to look at pictures that have that lighting and then mimic that when it creates a picture. So it's taking, it's taking what you're saying verbatim and it's the computer's making an inference of like what it thinks you want it to do. And it's exactly what we're doing with ChatGPT. Like yeah. we're giving it commands and then it yeah, comes exactly. back. So it's like, but you need to have the technical skill as a photographer. Right. Like I couldn't go on there and like say the so that's exactly keyframe so, lighting or whatever. So exactly. Right. So people are like, well, why don't my pictures look like yours? I'm like, well, because you haven't been shooting for 
you know, over a decade and understanding a composition of a picture and aspect ratio mm. and how lighting is working and different types of grain. Like it, it, you can tell the computer exactly it what everything. it needs. Sometimes right. it's like a 15 to 20 sentence command. Wow. And it's not just like a picture of a, a pickle dancing on a table. No. You know, <laughs> and, that's, you know, sometimes it, it takes a great guess at stuff. But if you want to create AI photography that looks real, it, it takes a lot yeah. of um, direction. direction. And I, I'm lucky that I have a technical background to mm. be able to, you know, think, you know, use. I've never, I always feel like don't ever be limited by technology. So what does success look like for you in this space? I feel like if I define what that is, then I really didn't reach it. I always feel mm-hmm. like success is something that you work towards. So it, success could have been me just shooting the cover of, you know, Harper's Bazaar Vietnam. Like, that's not success because that's not the limit of my success. You know, I always, I always keep pushing myself better and better. So for me, success would be to continue to have the privilege to create art and earn a living by it and not be limited by anything that I feel like someone told me that I can't do. So full circle, um, I'm an entrepreneur now and I'm developing an app uh, that I'm working on. So I'm bridging like my fashion and my technology into now another venture. Can you give us a quick Tell little us about tidbit? the app. Yeah, come yeah. on. So um, the app is for fashion lovers and fashionistas who feel that they need help with organization and styling and to have a platform to also uh, create a community around fashion where you can share styling tips with people that you know or that you don't know. And uh, be able to also have a consignment piece and actually sell your your um, your fashion there. But uh, you know the high level of what the app does is a lot more. There's uh, AI involved, of course, and technology. But yeah, the the being an entrepreneur and figuring things out now for you know on this spectrum is exciting. You know, there's mistakes to be made to learn from. So mm-hmm. I'm super excited about all that. So how much time are you dedicating now to your app and how much time are you allocating to your craft? I'll answer this question. I just tell myself that I need eight hours of sleep. So that's Got the it. same. <laughs> because why, why put yourself in the limiting bucket where yeah. you know that being now a freelance photographer and an entrepreneur that your days are never the same, right? right? But I always tell myself, for me to function, I need at least eight hours of sleep, right? Mm-hmm. So then I start going, so there's 168 hours in a week, right? And mm-hmm. I need this many hours of sleep. So then that means I have this many hours to be productive. And then I need to eat and maybe go work out and spend time with my family and friends. So then I was like, okay, then the rest you fill with meetings and, and, mm-hmm. and creating content and shooting and reaching out and creating Novaria-inspired <laughs> pictures and taking calls with my my co-founder and my business on the app and working with our developers and creating a prototype like every day is just as packed as before when I was in the corporate world but I actually love what I'm doing and you're in complete control, control. of what you're doing complete which control. is the yeah. which is the difference and now what stage are you at in this app have you developed a beta like are you yeah, in beta or so right now we are in we're developing our prototype uh to a clickable version to to show people like actually what it does because I'm such a dork that like I have a complete design of what it looks and feels like you might co founder do but it's so hard to articulate that because it's it's technology that's not around yet so we're trying to create something to show people to be excited about it show them why they need it you know mm. what I mean and and making mistakes is fun you know because I've never started a business on my own before I mean my photography business is a business but this right. one's different you know like 
you know, it's it, it's it's a bigger thing. It's not just me. It's me and my my business partner who is a veteran at creating technology and and been doing it for twenty years. So he has the technology and entrepreneur expertise, and I have like the fashion piece where like he doesn't know designers as much as I do, but I know how fashion works. He's being a photographer, understanding the life cycle of a garment, understanding like from the runway to who's shooting it to it being commercially available. Like I have, all, so we encompass all that and we really, really do work well together. Um, but where we're at, we're working on the prototype and um, raising capital to give us some runway to develop the actual, you know, MVP to go to market. And I'm doing um, customer discovery, like finding out who our customers are, using mm-hmm. technology to do so. I can't wait till this yes. app goes live. I think it's going to be so incredible. It's going to change it. the world. It really is. Like I want when people wake up every day. That, you know, right now we wake up and we go on our email, maybe Instagram. Well, then the third thing I want is to people to think about, you know, the app as being something that they want. There's so much you can do on it. I can't wait to share. Yeah. It's going to be so phenomenal. And it brings us back to the days in the 90s. Like, I remember when Cher Horowitz, (laughs) Horowitz, when she went into the computer, she's like, oh, and I remember she's like, I want that. And having discussions about this with friends and just kind of a random idea. But when you said that you were bringing this to fruition, I applauded you so So loudly. I want you guys to look at your phone, right? Mm -hmm. And three of your best girlfriends and go into info Mm -hmm. to see like your certain, see how many pictures you share between your friends of, of like course. what you're wearing. Of course. Yeah. Or how does this garment look? I have friends that will message me in the dressing room like as and like style them at that instant moment type of a thing. Yeah. What if you had access to their entire closet? Right. To, to style them from abroad. And, and you can then borrow and swap and oh, things like do, that. Yeah. Swap, right. And there's sustainability, sustainability involved. Yeah. Upcycling it's, garments. Like we'll teach people how to repurpose something that they feel like they don't have use for anymore. Cool. You know, helping save the environment. Um creating a community where people can buy garments from each other or do a swap where they don't have to buy new. Right. Mm. They give another garment a it's second. A trade. Buy, right. Um, or oh, wow. To, it gives somebody an opportunity to maybe have a designer piece that they would have uh, never been able to or, have touched. Or allow young people who want to be designers and stylists and, and, and work in the industry use the app as a means to connect with other people to show their designs. Very to style cool. Other people. It's, it's, yeah, wow. It's opening the door for so many uh, different types yeah, of people. Absolutely. That is so cool. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. How Carol. long do you think? Who knows? I mean, it all depends on how quickly it gets developed. And We need so. that funding, guys. So. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, um, it's always, but being an entrepreneur is exciting because you never know what like tomorrow holds. And um, 100%. sometimes just sharing it with with your friends and they give you an idea and I'm like, hold please. And I'll take a note of something that they said. And they think they were just thinking in the moment about like something kind of like super uh, arbitrary, but that leads to to, uh, uh, planting a seed in my head and working with the technology people to figure these things out. So it's very exciting and it's great because then I can bring my love for fashion too. I understand how fashion works. I understand what designers are thinking about when they're creating collections and being able to, help designers understand how their pieces are being worn and who else they're, you know, competing with is exciting because there's that data side, that technology side that I've been so privy to. Yeah. Right. Having those, those, you know, years of experience. Those 20 years aren't going to waste. No. I know. I got the the grades to prove it. (laughs) By the way, you look so good with this hair, though. I love it like that. Thank you. 
I would love to know, you know, what continues to keep you inspired, especially now when you think with like the rise of Instagram and the influencer and there's like all of this quote unquote fashion photography around everywhere. How do you continue to like stay motivated, stay inspired to continue to push your work forward? The way I look at it to stay inspired is that I try not to compare myself to other people anymore. I used to do that at a long, I'm like, why is that person booking that gig or why is that person shooting that person? You know, because that, it's their time, not yours. Because, exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, staying, not, and I hate saying the word staying in my lane because that's not really it, but understanding that like I have my own path and my own journey and my own discovery. And so what, I didn't start being a fashion photographer when I was in my 20s, but I don't think I would be as successful as I am now about that 20 year belt that I had before, because mm-hmm. I talk to photographers now and they're technically like, I don't know how to do this, or they don't understand the business of photography where I understand that there's a whole other side to managing a business as a photographer. You have to do outreach. You, not everyone finding clients, showing the clients that- like Your phone just doesn't ring? Oh, <laughs> no, it's not, it's not like that. Oh, people it's, aren't just banging down the door to shoot. You understand the marketing that's involved. Well, it's funny because I want, sometimes I'll, I'll have a dry, like, spell. Mm. When I say a dry spell, like, in photography, you could be dry for three months, and you're just like, where the hell is everybody? And then mm-hmm. you talk to other makeup um, artists and hairdressers and, and stylists. They're, like, same. And I'm it's like, all the same thing. I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, it's been crickets. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't know what happened, but April, I'm, like, completely booked, and I'm traveling, and I'm all over, and it's, I just have to be blessed that I actually have that, but... You have to still do outreach. You have to kind of let people know that you're available. Sometimes people also feel like they're, that I'm, I don't know why, but they feel like I'm inaccessible. Like they can't get to me because they're like, oh, you wouldn't shoot our stuff. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, that's, oh, interesting. that's crazy. Like, how, what gave you that idea? Maybe they loved what they saw that they just think, oh, maybe he wouldn't want to shoot my up and coming brand or my, you know. And I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It's true. I mean, even I know myself too. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to, like, when I was coming the, with my, I was like, if you're into you it, it to me, you know, I was, I was like, so nervous. Remember, I was like, I want to ask him, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't want like, to go into your phone. I was like, oh my <laughs> yeah, God. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yes, yes. And then I was like, well, what are the details? I was yeah. like, yes. Yes. You're, you're you're following your dream. I want to help you. Now tell me how I can do that. Like Exactly. It, it, you just have to I feel like it's like it's hard to find people who want to genuinely help other people because yeah. so many people are afraid that that's not going to be reciprocated. Mm-hmm. And I find that the best way to do it is to just just do something out of love without expecting anything in return and it will come back to you. Tenfold. Absolutely. Like I've learned that through, you know, through years of experience and I was like, you know what? Like if I made someone feel amazing because I took their picture and it, it's not going to be on my Instagram because it doesn't go with the algorithm or something stupid like that. But that person feels like a supermodel or that person feels like uh, I opened doors for them and I created something that has helped them. Like that to me feels amazing. And I don't need to, I don't need the, the limelight sometimes. Sometimes I just seeing people loving my work is like enough. You know what I mean? Like I don't need to be world renowned you know well maybe one day but well, yes we're, we're you can have there. both yeah <laughs> but <laughs> i think that's there. what's going to lead you to that world renown is your is your pure heart Thank mm-hmm. you. you have a pure heart in your work and it shows and i've experienced it and we've experienced it and i want to let you know that oh, thank you mm-hmm. you're welcome maybe you can't see but i'm blushing Oh, well, this has been so fun. I think it's time for our quick fire. You Uh rudder. Okay. 
What are the three things that you think about most every single day? What I'm going to eat. <laughs> <laughs> what my mom wants to, you know, my mom, I talk to my mom every day. So what she has in mind, what's going on. And I mean, I think about it a lot, but. <laughs> I love the way your mind oh works. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, like, it's like a system. It um, really is. I love it. And maybe if I'm, if I'm lucky enough to get to the gym today, like, what am I going to work out? Because okay. I don't always get to go. I know. Yeah. Stuff. Um, if you had a warning label, what would it be? Just because I'm kind doesn't mean I'm weak. Oh, that's a good one. That's Listen a up, good people. one. Just because I'm kind doesn't, doesn't mean, mean I'm weak. weak. That's going to be the pearl of this episode. It really <laughs> is. <laughs> it is. Um, if money were no object, what would you do? I'd have like a little hut somewhere in maybe Dominican Republic or anywhere tropical and sunny on a beach cooking chicken. Yeah. And like listening to music and drinking a know, beer. Drinking a beer. Yeah. Oh my just, God. Just a simple guy. Yeah. Like that's what I really care about. I love that. Uh-huh. What kind of music will you be playing? Um, oh my God. I'm an eighties. Like if it's like seventies, eighties disco or like eighties pop okay. and maybe like a little bit of like eighties rock. So, so DJ Lena will be there. DJ Lena. <laughs> yes. yes. And I like love that. I could play Fleetwood Mac on repeat. Like, really? it doesn't matter. Anyway, me I'm like, too. Like, give me some Stevie Nicks. Okay, I'm good. Oh, I'm like a 90s girl. La- yesterday, I heard Hanson bop. Oh. I had you lost that. it. Oh, my God. And then I was like, <laughs> I'm like, where are the Hanson guys that, like, went down a whole Hanson rabbit hole? And then I watched the Whitney Houston movies. I was in, like, a 90s vibe yesterday. Oh, that's a nice. 90s vibe. Such sad. So sad. I don't know. No, 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 no. We're not going to go there. No, we're not going to go there. Um, all Ready? right. Last and final question. How, How do you take your oysters? <laughs> little lemon, a little vinegar, and straight down. Straight down. (laughs) Well, Harold, thank you so much. And we seriously, we thank you so much for being a part of our journey. You will always have a place in our heart and in our story. And where can everybody find you on on Instagram? Um, Harold Bias Studio. Perfection. Everybody follow. And if you ever need photos, this man will make you feel... Like a princess or queen, actually. Really a queen. Divine On that queen. note, see you. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to World's Your Oyster. If you love what you're listening to, be sure to like, rate, and review this episode wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow us on Instagram at World's Your Oyster. And share this episode with a friend. We'd really appreciate it. Bye-bye.